Washington DC. We have a lot to cover for you today, including and not limited to the impeachment redux. Impeachment number two is taking place just yards away away from where we bring this show to you from. If you are a fan of our work and of our reporting, make sure you're checking out thenationalpulse.com every single day. And a thank you for keeping us up there in the podcast charts. It's absolutely incredible to see us, and never imagined it, to see us in the top something, 10, 15 of podcasts out there. And I also want to thank you for sticking with us while we go through some of these audio issues. I've never, I was going to say I've never done a podcast before. That's not quite true. I used to do one several years ago several years ago from London that actually was just simply recorded on my cell phone so this is quite the way away from that I understand that there will still be some teething problems here but I want to let you know that we have the finally finally have the system in place that we wanted from the outset and the good people at B&H have refunded the overnight shipping price that they charged us, given the fact that it actually took them six days to deliver. But that's okay. I'm a lot more, uh, I'm a lot happier now with my mixer board in front of me and the new microphone. You can probably hear the improvement in the quality and the audio as it's coming through. I can have my cell phone connected to it. And critically, crucially, ladies and gentlemen, I have the ability to play clips straight from the mixer board. And of course, what is the very first one that I absolutely have to play for you today? I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. Uh, I will have to circle back on that one. You can't see it, but I'm question. dancing Oh, right such now. an important question. Uh, we will circle back with you. <laughs> we we'll, will get we'll the cameras back in here at some but, point. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back. I'm happy to circle back, but I'll have to circle back with you on it. It's a good question, but we'll circle back with you on this today. We will certainly circle back with you. Wonderful, Gensaki. Thank you for letting us know that you will be circling back to us anytime soon. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of things to cover, not least this ridiculous, quite frankly, dangerous uh, redux of an impeachment effort that's going on on Capitol Hill right now. One of the things that I think we're going to be doing here at the National Pulse is actually uh, costing all of this out. In fact, what we'll do is we'll cost out the entire resist movement, because that's what the Washington Post did and counted from January the 6th and a couple of other things, added it all together, and then they came out with this figure, 530-something million, they say, cost of Trump's lies. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will cost the lies of the left. We will cost everything from 2015, every falsehood, every lie, 
every march, every riot, everything that they did that cost the nation money in terms of security, in terms of, we will cost it all out. And I guarantee you, Washington Post hacks, that it ain't going to be 530 million. Oh no, we're going to be talking about billions and billions of dollars that have been wasted on your partisan processes, just like the one that's taking place here on Capitol Hill today. The partisan process of another partisan impeachment effort. And we're, I'll tell you what, I'm here for it. I'm here for it because we've got the facts. I'm here for it because we've got the evidence. I'm here for it because I dig in to the detail. And I'm going to bring you some of that detail right now. I have a story and I love to do this now. I love the fact that we have this podcast and I have a couple of hours in the afternoon to sit here with you and talk you through some of these stories. And then I, what I do is I publish the story in conjunction with the podcast. And it allows people to both read and listen to these things at the same time or one after the other and truly ingest what's going on here, truly internalize the narratives that we're expected to believe. Now remember, at the outset of all of this, I want you to remember this. This, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want, but I think right here we're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women, and we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them, because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength, and you have to be strong. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity, a lot of talk there about lawfulness and the lawful counting of ballots and peaceful protest for somebody that was trying to incite an insurrection. And I understand that there are still good people out there. There are still thinking people out there. There are still moderate people out there. There are still people on the right out there who believe the narratives that they've been fed day after day, that the president somehow managed to incite an insurrection on Capitol Hill after the rioting had already started. You know, we put the timeline together up on the National Pulse the weekend afterwards, not because I particularly wanted to sit there on a Sunday evening and do that, but because I noticed that, hold on a minute, nobody's doing it. Nobody's putting the evidence together. Nobody's putting the record together which was true and accurate and lands on Trump's side. In fact, the only narrative that was getting out there was that, you know, this police officer had been hit over the head with a fire extinguisher and died as a result. We know that's a lie now. We absolutely know that's a lie now. CNN has had to admit that it's not true. And then the other claim is that the president somehow incited people on the ellipse of the White House uh, uh, lawn and then people had sprinted over to the Capitol, somehow gone back in time to the point where the Capitol was breached while the president was still speaking up on that stage. And that'll be apparent to a lot of people who have bothered to look into this, but it's still not apparent actually to the majority of people out there because unfortunately most people still believe and find the good in everyone and everything, even institutions. They don't want to believe that CNN is just a network full of lies, but I'm 
afraid I'm going to have to bring you a new bit of information about CNN's lies. And I didn't approach this for looking for CNN lies. If I did that with my time all day, I wouldn't do anything else. I was actually just following up on a tweet I saw from legal analyst Jonathan Turley. I think he's been at CBS for a long time, but pretty well-renowned and respected legal analyst. He took part in the last impeachment hearings, pretty well-respected on both sides of the political aisle. And I saw a tweet from him this afternoon while I was watching the impeachment stuff taking place. And, you know, if you want my opinion on this, President Trump's lawyer is not doing a particularly good job of making a a compelling and emotional case. They are making a a purely uh, legalistic constitutional case. And that's okay. That has its place, but it's far and away from the case that was made, the very emotional case that was made by the Democrats in the chamber. But again, that's okay. I mean, that's the route that the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, wanted to take. Then that's up to him, I guess, to take. Uh, we have we have given enough of our advice over the last couple of weeks in, in the sense that that's not what I would do. I would go up there with, with charts and graphs and show how the election was stolen, or at least, or at the very least, how Donald Trump came to be convinced that the election was stolen, i.e., if that is his belief, his true and honest held belief, then how can he be convicted for expressing that belief in a speech at the Ellipse? That is the very basis of the American First Amendment. And you could probably hear, as I always say from my accent, that I'm not from around these parts, but I am very envious of your First Amendment. There are very few countries in the world and I would argue, actually, that there are none that go so far to enshrine freedom of speech in their in their founding documents and their constitutions. There are very, very few nations in the world that regard free speech in as high regard as the United States of America does. And this is what we're talking about here. This is this is the case that the president's lawyers are making, and and that's fine. And that's fine. But also, you can't really go up there and make the case that, hey, we haven't had our day in court, and that's kind of why all of this happened. The frustrations bubbled over, and you know the president can't be held to account for it. If you then don't use this time as your day in court, that's my, that's my critique, that's my criticism of what the Trump lawyers have, have been doing today. Now, again, I can't claim to have seen all of it. Firstly, I've been putting all of this new equipment here together in the studio, hosted two hours of War Room this morning while Stephen K. Bannon was out for the morning, had this on in the background as I was going through this article that I'm going to bring to you right now. And then, of course, they had a little break and I flipped over to the Manchester United match. And anyway, you get my point. It's back on the televisions in front of me, but now I'm talking to you, so I can't listen to it. So my point being, if there has been some major breakthrough some wonderful pathos up there by the trump uh, trump lawyers don't blame me i'm just bringing you my opinions as as much as i've seen and i've seen about an hour or so's worth of this so far so here's the thing jonathan turley tweets about and i may i may butcher this name it's out of no disrespect it's it's congressman nagus i think his name is from um i think he's from colorado and he presents this case today. He's one of the Democrat impeachment managers. He presents this case today and he's like, hey, you know, um, Jonathan Turley, even Jonathan Turley thinks that the president can be impeached 
when he's no longer president. You know, this is what they're debating right now, the constitutionality of it. Can you impeach a president when he's no longer president? And the Democrats are saying, hey, you know, of course you can, because if you couldn't, then the last couple of weeks of any presidency are just left to to total madness. The president isn't accountable, can run again if he's a one-term president, so on and so forth. And he said, they say the framers... You know, had this in mind. They knew that this was a thing and, and therefore the safeguards are there. We can and should impeach the president. And the Republican case, or the President Trump-friendly case to all of this is, no, of course you cannot try somebody as if they were the president of the United States while they're not still the president of the United States. And there's been a lot of back and forth and I come down, I kind of come down just only marginally on the side of that you, you, you can't do it. Uh, I think the language is vague enough that you can, you can kind of have both of these arguments. And indeed, both of these arguments are routinely had on the left and the right. Now, Lawrence Tribe is a, is a rabidly partisan left uh, legal mind as well. And Lawrence Tribe was attacking Jonathan Turley recently on CNN for changing his view, or, or, or I'm not even sure Jonathan Tribe understood that Jonathan Turley's um, views had changed. But, sorry, Lawrence Tribe. But the case is, nevertheless, that the, the Congressman Neguse said in his comments today that John, even Jonathan Turley accepts that you can you know, ex post facto, in retroactively impeach a president of the United States. And Jonathan Turley comes out and he goes, well, hold on there just a minute. I mean, this was at 1.58 p.m. He goes, hold on a minute. He says, Rep. Neguse just cited my Duke piece and said that I was an advocate until just a couple of weeks ago for retroactive trials. I appreciate the citations, but it is not true. That article was 21 years ago. So effectively, what they've done, what the Democrats have done here, is use an article by Jonathan Turley that is 21 years old, that no longer represents Jonathan Turley's legal thinking on this. And Jonathan Turley has been very clear about this over the last couple of weeks. If you follow his website, you follow his blogs, you follow his Twitter account, he's been very clear about this. But nevertheless, they have falsely used a 21-year-old article to make the claim that Jonathan Turley still believes and therefore a, a conservative-minded or you know more right-leaning legal mind thinks that President Trump can be impeached and tried here by the Senate. Now, I'm very grateful for Jonathan Turley for, for clarifying that because we're going to put this article up that walks people through the entire thing. Turley recently wrote this, okay? Listen. He says, In my 1999 Duke Law Journal article on impeachment, I wrote that the Senate majority, however, was correct in its view that impeachments historically extended to former officials, such as Warren Hastings, another name we've heard a lot of today. Then he goes on and he says, strangely, some have cited that line to show I have changed my position on the subject. It doesn't. It is indeed it was sorry. It indeed was used retroactively in Great Britain as a historical matter, which I have always acknowledged. Yet there are significant differences in the use of impeachment in both countries. Indeed, the colonial impeachments were strikingly different in many respects, as I noted in the Duke article, quote, even if the only penalty is disqualification from future office, the open presentation of the evidence and witnesses represents the very element that was missing in colonial impeachments, end quote. So what Jonathan Turley is actually saying is, yes, Great Britain used to do this. 
And that's where impeachments come from. And that's very much the case that what the Democrats argued last year. And it's very much the case that that's what the Democrats are arguing this year. And President Trump lawyers, to be fair to them, have tried to show and make the case that, hey, you know, why are we why are we holding ourselves to... Um, you know, 18th century British standards. We we left uh, the, the the British Empire. That was that was you know all of this was kind of the reason self governance and making our own rules, making our own laws. And they didn't you know Trump's lawyers again. They didn't make that case very emotively or forcefully, but they made the case nonetheless. And this is what Jonathan Turley is saying. And I understand that this is really getting into the weeds, but you know that's that's what we do here because we we want to make sure that people are armed with the facts and armed with the detail. So here's the thing. Where then? Where? If Jonathan Turley has been very clear about this for several weeks, he's done it in his blog posts, he's done it on social media, he's done it in media interviews, where could Congressman Neguse have got this information from? I went back and checked. I went back and looked. And from what I can see, it seems like he got it from an interview on CNN, conducted by Anderson Cooper, featuring Lawrence Tribe. Law Professor Jonathan Turley to flesh out the argument to, to oppose the trial in a meeting with GOP senators prior to the vote. Can you give us a sense of how that argument is received among constitutional scholars on both sides of the aisle? I mean, have Republicans signed onto something which is largely considered debunked? Well, Jonathan Turley, I have to say, is something of a hack. He himself wrote the very opposite not that long ago. He will say what he needs to say. But the overwhelming majority of scholars believe that the Constitution does not contain a two-week loophole. I want to make sure, I want to hear, I want to hear that again. I want, I'm just going to play that for you again. I want you to listen closely to this. Did uh, Law Professor Jonathan Turley to flesh out the argument to, to oppose the trial in a meeting with GOP senators prior to the vote. Can you give us a sense of how that argument is received among constitutional scholars on both sides of the aisle? I mean, have Republicans signed onto something which is largely considered debunked? Well, Jonathan Turley, I have to say, is something of a hack. He himself wrote the very opposite not that long ago. He himself wrote the opposite not that long ago. Well, in fact, Mr. Tribe, it was 21 years ago. Maybe that's not very long ago in Lawrence Drive's mind or in CNN's mind or in Anderson Cooper's mind but for most people especially in the law profession especially when things change especially in politics as it pertains to politics and the law as as I say as I always say the when the facts change so do my opinions what do you do and it appears that the, one of the democrat impeachment managers has actually pilfered that false quote that false attribution of not so long ago and slipped it into the democrat case now you might be thinking to yourself raheem you are nitpicking here aren't you sort of sort of what i'm doing is i'm trying to show you how the very even the very basics of the democrat case the very basics are faulty you know if your case is that even republicans not so long ago were making the Democrat case, and that's why the Democrat case holds, which is which is what they're saying. And it transpires that, you know, Republican-friendly lawyers, or whatever you want to call Jonathan Turley, I don't even know what he's classified as in this town. All I know is that the left likes to attack him. But he's also he also works for a lot of big corporate media organizations. 
Maybe he's an establishment conservative. I don't know. But even if you're saying that he said it and that undergirds your argument and he didn't say it or he said it 21 years ago and has since developed a body of work that changes his position on it and you don't reflect that in your case in the very basics of your case remember these are the opening arguments about the constitutionality of this impeachment if you do not represent that accurately then i am afraid you should be laughed out of what is acting as a court right the senate chamber today is acting as a court and if the very basics are incorrect, if the very uh, you know, core of your argument is predicated on a lie, and a lie that you got from a CNN interview, by the way, then I'm afraid it, 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 it dismisses the whole thing, in my opinion. It really does. And the legal minds will be, oh, you know, that's a technicality. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Lawyers are paid to identify technicalities and win cases on the back of them. Right, that's that. That is how a lot of lawyers make their money. I know a lot of lawyers that listen to this podcast and will will well, hopefully back me up on that. I am not a lawyer. I probably should be. I probably should be President Trump's lawyer, but I am not a lawyer. But even I can see that. Even I understand that. Even I even I get the basics of if you're building a case, and it's just built on quicksand. That's it. It's over. It's done. You should be. You should be. I say. I will say it again. You should be laughed out of the Senate chamber as a result of that. And this is no small thing as well, because what they're doing is this is the first debate of lots of hours of debate, and this is about the constitutionality of this process. Now, me personally, I would actually have this argument out in its fullest. I would have argued for 20 hours, not 16 hours of debate, or even more maybe. I would have argued that we should be allowed to bring up every piece of evidence of election fraud onto the senate chamber and present every single thing and and identify why president trump felt the need to go up there and give that speech on the ellipse right again the president's taking a different strategy that's the world we're living in now so those are the arguments i'm dealing with and if we're going to deal in the constitutionality then let's let's make very clear that the argument in favor of the constitutionality as it came from the democrat impeachment managers themselves this morning or in the early afternoon it was predicated on a falsehood it was predicated on something that wasn't true that came from a cnn interview and let's just remind ourselves what an industry the left made of going after the president for what he had repeated that he had seen on Fox News or on One American News or on Newsmax. There was a literal industry made of that. What is the guy's name? I think it's Matthew Gertz. Matthew Gertz recently gave an interview. He's the head of Media Matters. And he recently gave an interview where he actually said, hey, my entire life for the last four years is predicated on going away and finding where President Trump got a claim from, and it was sometimes Fox, and it was sometimes OAN, and then I'd have to blog about it and whatever. Where's Matthew Gertz now? That the Democrat impeachment managers pulled something from CNN that happened to be false, like much of CNN's reporting is, and it totally undermines the case that they're making up there. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. Well, I, I, I certainly don't think so, not in this detail. If, 
If you do, hats off to whomever managed to catch this. But Jonathan Turley caught it, and then the National Pulse caught that, and we went away and we found the clip. Again, again, the clip, remind you. Uh, law professor Jonathan Turley to flesh out the argument to, to oppose the trial in a meeting with GOP senators prior to the vote. Can you give us a sense of how that argument is received among constitutional scholars on both sides of the aisle? I mean, have Republicans signed onto something which is largely considered debunked? Well, Jonathan Turley, I have to say, is something of a hack. He himself wrote the very opposite not that long ago. Didn't. He didn't. That didn't happen. And your case is totally undermined. Congratulations, Lawrence Tribe. Congratulations, Anderson Cooper. Congratulations, Jeff Zucker. Congratulations, Congressman Neguse. You have between you, and you can take equal credit, you have all undermined your own impeachment case. On the very first thing, the constitutionality of the case, on the very first thing. Now, I don't actually have very long with you guys today because I spent most of the afternoon setting the new equipment up and I have to run across to the war room to do the 5 p.m. show. So I'm going to wrap it up very shortly. But I wanted also to bring you a couple of stories that have been buried. As you can probably tell, we at the National Pulse, we don't have a lot of resources. We try our hardest to bring you as much news in the day as humanly possible. But things fall through our fingers sometimes because of just how much in terms of tips and news and and insights and buried leads that we get. And there was one thing that came up very recently uh, that somebody gave me a call about. And I thought it was worth at least reporting to you on this podcast, which is, do you remember last year? Well, yeah, it was last year. When you had a Chinese Communist Party affiliated and and owned, really owned, reporter in the White House press briefing room, we actually broke that story of who this person was. Phoenix TV, she claimed it was a private or, or entity. In fact, why don't you just listen? Why don't you just listen? Because actually, President Trump... Um, asked her about it during a press briefing at the time. They're going to honor the deal. We'll find with out. China, are you cooperating with China? Uh, who are you working for, China? You I'm work not, for China or are you with a newspaper? Kong. Who are you with? Hong Kong Phoenix TV. Who owns that, China? It's is it owned by China? No, is it owned by the state? No, it's not. It's a private-owned company. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, look, I'll let you know. I'll give you... Well, Phoenix TV is not a private enterprise. The reporter actually was working for the Chinese state. Now they will make the case that, oh, but it's owned by this shell company and whatever. But if you track it all back, as of 2018, Phoenix Satellite Holdings was owned by Liu Changle, 37% of shares. Changle is a former PLA propaganda official who is close to senior Chinese government leaders. Changle previously worked as a propaganda officer for China National Radio, and it was then known as the Central People's Broadcasting Station. A further 20% of Phoenix is owned by the Extra Step Investments Limited. That's in turn owned by China Mobile Hong Kong, which is in in and of itself owned by Chinese government-owned China Mobile. This means, oh, by the way, 8 more percent owned by China Wise Investment Limited, which is owned by the Bank of China. That means that Phoenix TV, we heard in that clip, Phoenix TV is where that person's from. That means Phoenix TV is at least, at least 65% owned by the government of China, at least. And this woman, Yu Yu Wang lied in the press briefing room to President Trump's face about where she worked. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know who her employer was. Maybe she forgot who her employer was. Maybe she never bothered to check. I would argue that disqualifies her from being a journalist, but maybe she didn't check. Maybe she was intimidated into being silent about it. That is not beyond the realm of possibility. 
But I've just recently learned that having not been back in the press briefing room under the Trump administration, Phoenix TV and other CCP-linked media organizations, by the way, are being welcomed back in under the Biden regime. One of them got a question in the other day. And when you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, what an absolute piss take that is. I'm sorry to be crude about it, but I am a, I am a, a Western accredited reporter, a member of one of the oldest journalism unions in the Western world, and I can't get a pass to go in the White House press briefing room. But a reporter working for a Chinese government-owned propaganda agency can. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to remind you that the Democrats are using footage in their impeachment testimony today from the guy who labeled his videos Jaden X. Jaden X turned out to be a Black Lives Matter activist who infiltrated, wore a Trump hat, infiltrated on January the 6th in his attempt to uh, besmirch Trump supporters. And I just want to remind you, since I have this wonderful new clips board, I'm, I'm using it to the fullest extent, remind you what Mr. Jaden X was doing on the 6th with his buddy in the mainstream media. <laughs> you were right, we did it. Dude, I was trying to tell you. I, I couldn't say much. You were right. <laughs> you just have to watch my chat. Oh my god. Is this not gonna be the best film you've ever made in your life? No. That's it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah? Hell yeah. Wait, you weren't recording, were you? I'll delete that shit. But I didn't record you or me. Oh boy. Is this not going to be the best film you ever made in your life? He's talking to one of the producers who's making a film about him, following him around. I'll delete it. I won't show the world. You and I breaking into the Capitol. Well, that all fell apart pretty quickly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have to make my way over to the war room for the evening show now. So I want to thank you for joining us on this slightly shorter podcast today. I want to also let you know that you can visit the nationalpulse.com check out all of our stories share them if you will make sure that you are uh, subscribed to the podcast i would love it if you left a review i would love it even more if you gave us a five stars on that review apple podcast spotify all of the different platforms were available on and i want to get your feedback I, I read them, by the way. You can see me in the comment section on the podcast, on Podbean as well. I read the comments. I reply to the comments a lot more than people think. Because I love it. I love interacting with you guys. I'm going to bring more people from our private Discord chat channel that we have here at the National Pulse. I'm going to be bringing them onto the show. If you want to be part of that, it's thenationalpulse.com forward slash support we've got dozens and dozens of people joining every day really grateful to have them there it's so much fun i do lots of behind the scenes stuff talking people through how our stories are made how this whole podcast thing came together we're going to be adding video to this in the next coming weeks as well so stick around stay tuned make sure you refer a friend and i thank you for tuning in have a great day